At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the SI Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Trana. Thanks so much for joining me. We've got Chris Long on the show this week, host of the Greenlight Podcast, former Eagle Super Bowl champion and prolific podcaster now and always good with opinions, takes, and his insight into the world of the NFL. We uh, discuss what the NFL season could look like, what players would need to do to get ready for a season, uh, got into the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay, Got into a lot of discussion on The Last Dance, uh, talked about sports movies, and uh, just had a good conversation about a variety of topics that hopefully you guys will enjoy. If you missed it last week on the podcast, Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharipa of The Sopranos were on. Two weeks ago, Andrew Marshan from the New York Post came on to break down a lot of the sports media news that was going on, a lot of it with NFL broadcasting. Bob Lee was on the podcast recently, as well as Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football. So if you haven't listened to any of those, you can go into the archives and check those out. They're all there for your listening pleasure. And if you can subscribe to the podcast, that's an enormous help. And uh, in this time where there's not much to do, if you can rate and review, that helps as well. But I won't get greedy. Just subscribe. That is the main thing. And uh, also make sure you're staying in and staying safe. It's the most important thing. And uh, Hopefully, if you need some distractions, the SI Media Podcast is here for you. Chris Long on today's show is great. So uh, you guys will enjoy that. And like I said, past episodes have been really good thanks to the guests. So we got all that for you. All right. Enough time wasted. Let's get to this week's episode with the always interesting Chris Long. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, joining me now, one of my favorites, one of the most prolific podcasters in the world, Super Bowl champion, retired NFL star, Chris Long. Chris, how's it going? Jimmy, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Um, how are you doing? I'm not bad. You know, just got my little basement workout in with two 15-pound kettlebells, uh, just getting jacked. Uh, when I come out of this thing, if there is a summer, I will have at least two abs, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be on. But you're, you're retired. Why do you need abs now? <laughs> Just to feel good. <laughs> you're Just retired to- and married. There's no reason for you to have abs. You're actually technically right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I gotta look in the mirror every day. I got yeah. I gotta have that conversation with myself every morning. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I had um. I had Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football on a few weeks ago, who's who's great. And we were we got into a whole thing about our like daily showering, getting dressed, shaving routines. I'm curious now, are you like are you trying to like you're doing pods almost every day? It's kind of crazy. Yeah, um, I've been doing like three well, if, okay, so I've been kind of figuring it out. This is the nice thing about working for myself, is that like yeah, it's tough because distribution isn't that easy. Like it's not like things get picked up as easily as somebody who works for a bigger company. But I mean, I do get to kind of decide, do I want to do a pod today? Do I want to do it t- tomorrow? I could watch a movie that could spur me. I could watch Simon Says, the Dennis Rodman uh, movie that came on the other night. And by the way, if you've ever, never seen Simon Says, you need to check out Simon Says. Uh, but like something like that could come on TV and I could say, hey, fuck it. I want to do a pod tomorrow morning. That's right. the beauty of it. Now, I went overboard because I'm not good with sitting still. The first couple of weeks, I did like five a week and they were good and we had good guests, but they were just burying each other. So right. I ended up by getting this group now Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And that's my routine. Right. The one the one positive sort of for, for if you host a podcast and have to book it yourself like you and I both do is when you reach out to a guest, they really can't say they can't do it because they're busy. It's the one benefit. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I hate putting guests in. Like, I'm almost apologetic about reaching out and asking for people. To right. Get, like, there's certain people I know, like you, who I'm going to hit up, and I know that you'll do the same shamelessly for me, and no questions asked. If I can do it, I'll do it. But there's certain people that I just feel like I'm just wasting their time. It's just this guilt thing I have to get over with, with podcasting and hosting. Listen, I, some people like, I think some people, you sort of know who likes to do it, who doesn't want to do it. And there are people I think who like to do it right now because they are not doing anything and they want to maybe get some things off their chest. And you, you know, I think if you just do it sort of like we both do it where we're having a conversation and not like grilling someone. And what I'm trying to do now with, with this whole thing is either, you know, if there's a lot of media news since this is supposed to be a media podcast, like I'll get one of the media guys on like last week, not last week, two weeks ago, I had Andrew Marshan on where we talked about all these NFL broadcasting changes. But if it's not going to be that, then I just want it to be loose and fun and yeah. give people, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes to just, you know, enjoy something and have a couple of laughs. So that's where guys like you and Kyle come in and are, are well, really it good frees you. It frees you from the constraint <laughs> of having to do something newsworthy. If there's no news, then you don't have to worry about keeping up with the news and you can do something that interests you. And quite right. frankly, there is a niche for people to listen to somebody who's doing their biopic in a pod that you might not have heard before, or right. you know, somebody that's talking about something that happened five years ago, we can rewind back. I mean, that's what we've lived on was the, the rewind type stuff. And, you know, you can rewind people's stories too. So uh, the only positive of this for me as somebody who's new in the game podcasting is I, as somebody without the distribution power in the fall, going it alone and all that, sometimes felt buried by like, who gives a shit if I break down the games? Like nobody's listening. Everybody's, everybody and their mother's talking about the games. You know, now if I decide that this is an interesting guest, 
you might be able to pop off that. So I kind of, I, I don't mind this. Um, mm. Obviously the reason it's like this sucks, but right. um, it's not a bad trial by fire for somebody who's new in podcasting. Uh, and and I, I know for me, the last thing I want to do with a guest or without a guest, the last thing I want to talk about and the last thing I want to read about, the last thing I want to hear about is I can't do the speculation on like when things are going to return, how they're going to, like when it happens, let me know. I'll be ready. Well, let's but, do it. No, I don't want to do it. That's what I'm saying. People are like, oh, the baseball is going to come back July 4th and the NFL and there's going to be no fans, but there might be fans and there'll be fans every three seats. And it's like, dude, you don't, nobody knows anything. You know nobody I mean? knows anything. I'm just society. There's a bunch of fucking control freaks. And, you know, that 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 doesn't just you, you need to know exactly when like people. If you deny them information on things that are not essential, I mean, the football season, I hate to break it to you, it's not essential. Baseball season is not essential. Right. Now, for some workers and, and that sort of thing and um, people that work at the stadiums and that sort of thing, like, yeah, it's 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 a little bit more of a, a – there's a dire need. And, of course, for athletes, they want to know. I mean, I was talking about this last night with my parents. They were like, you know, in the fall – when it comes to football season, my dad has a job to do. Mm -hmm. if, if that's disrupted, that's one thing. But as a player, like he was like, I, I actually couldn't imagine if you were going into your last year and you basically lost that year and you're right. in 34, you're 35 or that sort of thing. Or maybe, you know, it's a big year for somebody, um, th those sort of things. But as fans, listen, I'm a football fan now. I'm a sports fan now. I run on the same entertainment that everybody else does. And I'm just going to sit back and, and relinquish control. There's just nothing you can do about it. I did talk about it a little bit yesterday on the pod. I did a little speculation. If it is worst case scenario, the teams that might thrive in this chaotic situation and then what the season might look like. I mean, those exercises are fine. That's a worst case scenario, but we really just don't know. Right. I just, I'm more about like when, you know, you, you see people on Twitter, will be like, it's time to do, open up. It's time. The, the NFL should come back on the, nobody knows, nobody knows anything. So you're all just, you know, wasting your breath. Um, yeah. I don't know. That, I, don't, I don't, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that there's going to be, uh, we were talking about this in the pod yesterday. I don't know if there's going to be, have you thought as far ahead as the Super Bowl? I mean, if we're if we're speculating about fans and stands and that sort of thing, like if we're lucky enough to get to the Super Bowl, how bizarre would it be if it you know there's no fans? Like, what does that look like? Right. What do, you do? Right. I mean, it, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and we're not even going to be able to answer those questions until like midseason because we're not going to know how this thing comes back if it comes back the whole nine yards. So, as fans, we think we're inconvenienced. Imagine trying to run that business, right? And also, like, even, you know, when the Brady and Gronk stuff happened and people are talking about the Bucs season and breaking down the Bucs and everything about the Bucs, it was like, the season could start and then stop again in November if there's a second wave. So, again, like, that part to me. That as a player, like, because yeah. it's really hard to be half in as a player, and it's also really hard to be all in thinking you might play four games or maybe it doesn't happen. That's a real, me as a player, that was one of my hardest things to do. Um, obviously, this is unprecedented, but anytime you're not sure what you're preparing for. You're just preparing in good faith. Um, it's it's going to be weird for players. I mean, if they're being realistic about it, and you mentioned the Bucs and Tom Brady. I know that, you know, I've talked about the Bucs and Tom Brady, Tom Blue in the face, but here I go. Like, that's a team that relative to their power ranking and a team that everybody's excited about. It looks like a little mini dream team pending Tom's excellence. Um, maybe not so. I mean, they have to prepare all summer to install a new a new system for Tom, get on the same page with receivers, um, get get situated. It's not going to be that easy. And for teams like that, maybe on paper they look a lot better than they do in actuality and with whatever 2020 looks like. Well, this was the one thing I did want to ask you as a former player. Let, let's say hypothetical, which I know I, I just said I hate doing, but let's say hypothetically the NFL is going to start the season on time or even uh, yesterday came out they may start in October – no fans in the stands. Let's say that's what happens. I'm just curious as a player, how much training camp practice time before the season would you need to be ready? How many preseason games? Maybe none. Maybe do you need any of those? Like what would a player, what does a player need? How much time does a player need in order to be ready for opening day whenever that is? And no matter who's in the stands. Well, there's some players who are really special and they can just jog out there and dominate. But I was never one of those guys. Um, you know, I, 
I would say ideally in a, in an ideal world, you know, as a vet, if you're not a rookie, and this is the problem with trying to craft a preseason system that works for everybody, is that people are on so many different echelons of experience, contract situations, uh, need, positional need. Like I would say in my perfect world, I play a preseason game for a half and then play a preseason game for a quarter. And then let's just go fucking do it. Um, obviously, you know, I need a runway in the form of training camp. You need to be in pads for 10, 10, 14 days. That's kind of what it's become. You know, back in the day, it felt like a marathon, but now you can kind of get to it. So for me, a pass rusher, um, I would need probably a game or two. But when I was close to coming back this year in Philly, I mean, like, I don't think I needed that much time at all. I trained a little bit. And uh, I know this is kind of a nugget for you, Jimmy, but I was I was maybe two and a half weeks on the field just training. I felt great. I felt like I could run out the tunnel and play. Um, and I had never done that before. Now, there was also this, the, the lockout shortened season, uh, you know, preseason in 2010. That was the first lockout. That feels like forever ago. Um, we were supposed to play in the Hall of Fame game. And we're all sitting there like, fuck that game. Because as you know, it's the fifth preseason game. And it's just going to make your season exponentially longer and your chances of getting hurt. I can remember that was around the time one of my favorite players, OCU Manure, got hurt in preseason. Towards ACL, I think in the first preseason game. Um, right. Or maybe it was the fourth. But you're just saying to yourself, why do I need another fifth? Luckily that year, with the lockout, that got canceled. Camp got shortened. And to be honest, I didn't notice anything. I didn't notice any drop-off. Um, I think they're trying to find that sweet spot. How little can you do and get guys to go? and go 100 miles an hour. And there's some teams that are going to want more of a runway. I talked about this on the pod yesterday. Cleveland, for instance, I think with all, all the new stuff they have going, um, they probably like to push that back as far as possible. It's a huge, huge year for them. If, if the league starts in October, I don't think a team like that minds. Um, you know, the, there's just diff- 32 teams are going to have 32 different needs. And, you know, the way you draw it up is, is not going to be the way it plays out because this timeline is going to be augmented. Or changed. So I got to follow up on the nugget. How close were you to coming back last year, and why didn't you? I was pretty close, but I can't. I can't. I can't say uh, why exactly, but it just didn't work out. But I will tell you that you know um, I was ready. I mean, like two weeks on the field, two three weeks on the field. I think when you get older, it just illustrates the. It illustrates the. It illustrates that when you're older, you don't it's not necessarily more is not more, you know, like for me, I didn't need a training camp. I didn't need all that. Actually, I felt fresh from being out of football. Um, you know, some older guys don't need as long to get ready. And there's older guys, not just myself who get ready to join a team mid season all the time. You know, there's so guys, when, when were you supposed to come back? When was I supposed to come back? Yeah. I was never supposed to come back. I was just close to coming back and it just didn't work out. It was like earlier in the season. But I felt great. Um, and that sort of thing is just goes to show you how quickly you can get ready because I felt ready. Did it? Did you not come back because of you or because of the Eagles? Ah, we cut that out, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we're just going to move on. I, I let that. All right. Stay. You I don't have to try. Thing out, but I'm not going to tell you. All right. That sounds you like a good, it sounds like a good story, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Let's. Oh, I, one last thing on the NFL, and then we'll move on to some things. I, I know everyone's all into the, you know, Brady Gronk and the draft, Burrow, Tua, got it, understand it. For me personally, I don't, let's say we get a season, let's say it starts on time or even in October, whenever it starts. To me now, there's no more fascinating story in the entire league than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Especially now with the the report that the, you know, the Packers are sick of his shit, whatever that's supposed to mean. I mean, what is going on there? Well, it sounds like that first year didn't go as well as uh, a lot of us wanted it to go if we were rooting for Aaron and LaFleur to get along. Uh, and on the surface at times, it looked like they were moving in the right direction. I know that he had long wanted um, a, a fresh start, you know, from a coaching standpoint. And, uh, you know, the novelty of LaFleur, I guess, maybe wore off. I don't want to over-speculate on where Aaron's head's at or where the Packers' heads are at. I mean, reports, as you know, can be misconstrued or exaggerated. What I do know, though, is that they made the wrong move for uh, 2020. 
that's all there is to it. Listen, I am somebody who's high on Jordan Love, relatively speaking. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to draft a quarterback, um, you know, in the event that your quarterback's getting older, he's declining, he's aging. And some of those things can be argued with Aaron Rodgers. And I think due to his style of play, I don't know that he's a 42-year-old quarterback. I, You know, due to a little bit of his injury history, the lower body stuff, uh, his mobility, the things he does with his feet, um, you know, he's, he's not going to just be sitting in there like a, a lawn deer for the next six years. And he doesn't have any weapons to throw to. And what do you do? You tell him, hey, we're, we got you. And what does he have to do? He has to sit there and watch Mike McCarthy land C.D. Lamb in Dallas the same day that you go out and draft what looks to be his replacement um, in, the, in, in the first round. And by the way, you leapfrog teams that probably weren't even going to take Jordan Love. And you're under contract till 2023. So there's the lying. There's the principal. And then there's like the, hey, we're going to get back to playing smash mouth football. We draft a 250-pound running back, and then what we hope is the next Kyle Juszczyk. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know what the strategy there is. Now, playing devil's advocate, there's one thing that I do want to be a stickler on. People are like, well, they're so close. They're 13-3. and three. They were not that close last no, year. No, they were not that good. They right? were not that close. They were 13-3, and three, um, but they were not that good, and Aaron did not have any help. Now, I saw you share this stat in your column Um Train us thoughts, which is a great yeah. column, by the way. Um, Look I at that plug. Say, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And uh, and I'm sitting there, and yeah, Aaron Rodgers thrown one touchdown pass to a first-rounder his entire career. It's mind-boggling. Peyton Manning yeah. up near 200. Now, you know, to be fair, he's had a number of good targets to throw to that they've drafted well in other rounds and whatever, but it, what it shows is a lack of commitment at the front, the front of the draft. And if Devontae got hurt this year, imagine that receiving core. Right. Imagine that for a second. And then on top of that, if you're Aaron Rodgers, the one thing people aren't talking about is beyond the moves the Packers didn't make, everybody in the NFC North made moves on the outside defensively. Okuda at three. Uh, Chicago, I thought, stole that corner in the second round from Utah. And then I think uh, who'd, who'd the Vikings get? Gladney from TCU. Uh, so everybody invested in, uh, in not only the back end stuff, but if you're looking at probably the biggest threat to you in the division, it's Minnesota, and they go out and get Jefferson, um, right. and they go out and solidify some things, and they have a bunch of picks. You're just if you're Aaron Rodgers, you feel like man, you feel like the unluckiest, luckiest guy in the world. You're born with what, what, what you, for an arm, and your whole career you've got Brett, Brett Favre in the beginning. Uh, you have no weapons in the meat of your career. Now on the back end, you're going to have the Jordan Love thing hanging over your head. Yeah. And it's like, but why are the Packers trying to piss them off or what are they trying to, I mean, I get, you know, here's the thing. You can't do that and then get mad if people are going to speculate that the relationship between him and LaFleur isn't great, which. They're doing it in Philly. I mean, they're doing it in Philly. Like what? It's not like we did anything. We drafted a a quarterback in the second round. I mean, what? We didn't do anything. Like, why are you asking us this stuff? Like, no, I did and obviously the Jalen Hurts thing is not on the scale of Aaron Rodgers. Carson Wentz is not of the history that, that Aaron Rodgers does, uh, you know, with that franchise. And certainly Carson's younger. There's there's differences. And I think Hurts is less of a threat early on. Um, but, you know, the, it says what it says, which is that, I mean, you're not drafting this guy to um, to compete this year. The only way this pick turns out to be a slam dunk is if, Aaron's play declines uh, in the next two, three years. And, you know, that's essentially what you're banking on. And that that tells you, um, if you're Aaron Rodgers, where their head's at. And they're right. banking on that happening. So you, you feel like a dead man walking, even though you're considered one of the best at what you do. Um, and certainly that hasn't been true all the time the past, past few years. But with his body of work, you would think, let's give him one more rush of talent and see what we can do with it. But those moves they made are not good for 2020. They're just not. Right. Maybe they're playing sports psychologist, and Lafleur's got a little like I don't know. Um, I don't know if Tony Robbins does this type of shit. Some like <laughs> some like reverse psychology shit where you're saying if I piss Aaron Rodgers off, um, he's going to go scorched earth, and we'll look like geniuses. And it doesn't matter if he doesn't like us or not. He'll take it out on the opponent. Right. Well, it seems like Lafleur wants to play. You know, do the run game anyway more than you know, throw it with Rogers. So who knows? But that, I think to me, that's the most interesting situation in the NFL right now. So hopefully if we get a season, 
uh, that's I, I what I'll be locked in on. I think it's, I think it's interesting. You, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, they're not going to have a lot of time face to face together. Whatever conversations they have to have, they have to do it, you know, soon um, because there's not going to be a lot of time to grow into whatever that situation is when they get on the field together. Yeah. What, um, so now that you're out of playing and you're a, a fan and a podcaster, do you get into the announcers like I do, or is it just that, I mean, you got your dad working on Fox, yeah. so I would imagine you're into announcers a little bit. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because, you know, there was a big shakeup with the, with the announced teams with, uh, CBS let go of Dan Fouts and then Charles Davis, who worked with Kevin Burkhardt on Fox. He's now at CBS. He's going to do the number two game with Iron Eagle oh, for Charles CBS. Over there. Okay. And Fox has an opening now with Kevin Burkhardt for the number two game. So I wrote a column suggesting five people who could take that job. You were one of the five people I suggested. Uh, I don't know if you want that job. But your no. brother Kyle uh, responded on Twitter. And he did not back you. He said that gig should go to Jake Cutler, who now has a lot of time on his hands now that he's yeah. divorced. Uh, you have any uh, recommendations for that spot? Who would you like to see go in the booth? As a color guy, I mean, um, golly, the, the, it's, it's, it's tough. I hadn't would, you want to do, would you ever want to do that gig? Let's start with that. No, I wouldn't because what does okay. that entail? That means I got to give my weekends up. I can't right. drink beer. I can't hang out in God's country, Virginia. And, you know, for 11 <laughs> years, I waited with this idealistic thought in my mind that I'd be on my back porch looking at the mountains with beer. In a, in right, so a give me cooler. give me give me a couple of NFL guys, current or retired, who you think would be good in the booth. Man, how about you give me one and I'll tell you if I think they'll be any good because I hadn't thought about this. Well, I said you. So that's okay. that would be one of my choices. Okay. Um, who else did I say? Um, I, I should find that column. I th I know I said. Um, oh, you know who you know who'll be terrific, terrific. Uh, okay, we did this for announcers. Actually, let me see if I can pull up. Uh, we didn't do this for yeah. We did do this with NFL quarterbacks the other day. Me and Kyle did this. Um, Fitzpatrick, I think, is going to be ter tremendous at whatever he does. Uh, whether it's in the booth, whether it's on on set pregame. I mean, he's got charisma. He's intelligent. He's well liked by his teammates. He's charismatic, as I said. So, like, he he might not be the biggest name ever, but he's probably the most revered backup bridge quarterback, right, of our era. I That's think a good one That's would be a very good one. I think Baker. Whenever you know, it's going to be. I'm going to feel super old whenever Baker's out of football. But I, I do think Baker has shown me a little bit of his acting chops with the commercials. I, I don't think he's afraid to say what he's going to say. And by the time he matriculates to the booth, uh, I actually think he's going to have a nice career and, uh, and he'll learn a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, looking down the list of quarterbacks, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of slim picking. It's funny that you automatically go quarterback. Well, because that's what everybody wants now. That's the Tony. Well, thing. well that's, but that's the thing. If a network was smart, they wouldn't go down that road. Well, I said I said Nate Burleson, who's already on TV. He does yep. the studio for CBS, and he does Good Morning Football. That was I think because he's unique. I think that's where you come into this, Nate. I, I don't want the same cookie cutter guys. Give me someone unique for that role, and I, I think someone with a little bit of a different. I mean, I, think, I, I don't know that I don't know that Jason Kelsey is has a booth cadence, but right. I think Jason Kelsey's gonna gonna surprise people about how. I mean, any Eagles fan or anybody knows Jason knows that he's not some troglodyte uh caveman like you know football 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 right. guy with a beard like he's he's an intellectual he is a renaissance man and he knows football very well of course but knowing football alone as you know seeing these guys get in the booth and go to try to do sports stuff after their careers isn't isn't a slam dunk i mean everybody knows football to a degree but can you be interesting? You know, can you can you have a conversation in the booth? And I think you know somebody like a Jason Kelsey wouldn't surprise me. Um, of guys I've played with, that's a good one. I'll take that. Um, uh, let's talk quarantine life for a second here. So I, yeah, so I mentioned earlier about I was talking we, when I had Kyle on. We were, we're getting into like the quarantine routines here. Now, are you like? You doing the shower every day? You getting dressed every day? Taking yeah. care of yourself? Or do you lounge around? What's give me like the? Dude, you know what? I, I, me and uh, Meg, my wife, who is a trooper, as all um, wives and mothers are right now, 
and parents, period. I mean, I'm not going to do the self-deprecating thing where I just shit on mm-hmm. husbands and say, you know, wives are doing it all. Like, it's been a team effort yeah. um, across America to have kids in the house with unrelentingly, like, no school, nothing. I mean, it really does take a village, and my wife has done a tremendous job. But she, we got kind of a deal where, you know, I, I wake up with the kids probably twice a week, you know, because I'm working most of the day. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wake up with the kids twice a week. Um, the other days I'm kind of up and out of bed by like eight fifteen, which is a little bit sleeping in for some people. I'm not a morning person. I work till like one in the morning. A lot of times getting these pods edited up. So I've kind of turned into this night owl. My days are starting later. The only thing I do with any routine is I take these Wim Hof showers, dude. Do you know who Wim Hof is? I don't. I'm dying to hear about this, though. I'm intrigued. So Wim Hof uh, is is a dude who basically is like Iceman. Um, he's known as the Iceman. He's a Dutch dude, uh, and he can he can withstand freezing temperatures. Like he's superhuman. Guinness World Re- Records. I'm just going through the Wikipedia to make this more concise. Guinness World Records for swimming under ice and prolonged full body contact with ice and still holds the record for a barefoot half marathon on ice and snow. Basically, this dude will get in a tub of just ice for like an hour and his body temperature doesn't change. In fact, it goes up. This guy climbed Kilimanjaro barefoot in like underwear. The dude has like trained his mind and body and taken it to, to just some other place that us mere mortals can't take it. Um, but he does preach that there are ways of his technique, his breathing methods, submersion in ice cold water, that sort of thing that can elevate your lifestyle. I don't, I'm not like some freakish hippie that just follows Wim Hof all day. <laughs> but if you take one frigid shower a day, it's got to be like I do like a minute and a half and you turn it as cold as you can get it and just stay in there as long as you can. The longer you get in there, the better it feels. You kind of hyperventilate a little bit. <laughs> And then you get a rush of really good uh, endorphins and you feel better like the rest of the day. It's it's my biggest routine. I get in the sauna. I have a sauna, um, which some people are going to rich shame me. Um, no, I, give it up. I have a sauna. I get in the sauna and then I take a Wim Hof shower. That's all my right, so That's my First routine. of all, I'm... I'm I'm laughing over here because you said he did it for an hour and then you said you go a minute and a half. So well, nobody needs to do the Wim Hof thing. So like, right, the, okay. The, the, but here's my question: you, you need you don't need to be Wim Hof. You just need to take little right. things from Wim Hof. So here's my question, though: when you do the minute and a half of the freezing cold shower, when that minute and a half is over, is it shower off or do you go to hot water? No, you got to finish with the cold because like finish with the cold. Okay, you finish with like you can do a little hot to soap off and stuff because cold water is not going to wash the soap off. Um, but you know, uh, Wim advises you to gradually build up the duration and intensity. If you have no prior experience with cold showers, start with a regular shower and finish the last seconds thirty cold. Uh, you notice that you're able to tolerate the cold more and more, and eventually, cold showers and even ice, ice baths become things you look forward to. I promise you, I read that off the bottom of his Wim Hof method uh, <laughs> website. It's one of the highlights of my day. And and you feel good when it's over. I don't really take a shower without finishing with a, at least a minute or two of cold, like cold as you can get. But I'm saying that your body feels good. Your brain feels good. It you're, you're, feels- you're like, you're like, you're like radiating, like, like not, not nuclear waste radiating. Like right. you feel good, reduce stress levels. Higher level of alertness, um, higher state of alertness, uh, CO2 decrease. Uh, you can con- concentrate better, uh, immune response, all this stuff. I mean, there's this. Did, did you did, did you just start this during the quarantine? The Wim Hof. Uh, I've been doing it probably better part of two years. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, I love my Wim Hof showers. And then he's got a really good breathing technique. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not that hardcore that I do that like every other night or anything, but every now and again, I'll, I'll rock the, the breathing technique. This dude is insane. Just go down the rabbit hole. All right. I'll check. I, I'm on his page now. It does look, it looks intense. So I'll, I'll go down the rabbit hole. What's the Chris Long hair situation? Are we, is it, you got flow? Is it grown out? Did you let Meg cut it? What's, dude, what's the- I, yeah, I cut my hair short. It's weird. I haven't had short hair in quite a you while. You did it or Meg did it? So I did a lot of it, and then Meg did some of the uh, the tough spots. Um, 
We need a picture. Yeah, I will send a picture. Waylon, <laughs> um, Waylon, we did a, a a mohawk on. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's, he, he yeah. looks he looks absolutely ratty, but we don't leave the yeah. house, so um, <laughs> all good. How Have about you had a moment? Haircut? What was that? You got any haircuts? Like, if you no, just- my hair. No, my hair. I've not gotten a haircut. Um, I would. Uh, it's out of control. I had a big. Well, here's a good. Here's a good topic. I got in a big argument. So the other night over the weekend, I did a Zoom with like eight or nine of my friends. We're on there just shooting the shit, and the topic came up. Let's say here in New York, for instance, May fifteenth, they open up the barber shops. Would you go get a haircut? And I said I would go on the first day, and I got shamed for it, saying that you know I'm going to get Corona basically. Well, let, you, I. I don't know. I don't know about any of all that. I'm, I'm operating and this will bother some people because they're, 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 they're taking it as I'm telling you how to live your life. Like I think people should follow the guidelines and I think people should be careful even when things open back up. I'm not leaving the fucking house. So, you know, and some people be like, well, you don't have to, you live in a compound, like blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what? I got to get groceries too, motherfucker. Like the, the, that's the biggest difference. Right. Uh, you know that that woman that got that got uh, picked up in Idaho for staging a protest, yeah. arrested at the playground. Uh, I had a guy that basically responded to me poking fun at her. That like, of course you you don't have to do things like this. You don't have to leave your compound. Okay, okay, because my house is above four thousand square feet. Um, that that means that I don't have to go do something stupid as fuck like get arrested at a playground. Like, what? Why is that essential? I don't understand. Because people are idiots. Yeah, no, I did. So you're you're not leaving your house anytime soon. That's that's the Chris Long stance. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not. I'm not that's saying that everybody else has to hole up till twenty one. No. But right. I mean, I don't know what the fall is going to look like. And yeah, I mean, listen, I wouldn't go to a sporting event probably until twenty twenty two, and I would not go to like a movie theater anytime soon. But I'll go in twenty twenty one when they have the vaccine. I'm out there. Right. Eh. That's a lot of people, though. It's a lot of people at a sport. My thing with the barbershop is if I can get there when no one else is in the place and just get a quick 15-minute haircut, I'll, I'll, I would probably do it. But that's just me. Yeah, you know what, though? But I'm not going to shame you for it if it's open and you're careful. Right. Uh, and I do understand. Like, listen, I know this has become heavily politicized. I understand that some people need to make a living. And I, I get that some people are like – panicking and freaking out um i know that in some states they reopened bowling alleys i was looking at um you know the news and there was like we understand this isn't popular we we're going to reopen um because we're given the opportunity like listen i don't i don't hate people that that want to get back to work i get it but right of course you know it's just it's just uh it's just become so politicized well this is this is my issue with the people who want to open everything up and get back to work like i understand that stance fully i mean there is an economic crisis going on and no one would dispute that but you brought up the bowling alley to me that's the perfect example of this because what i read was the bowling alley opened up okay fine but nobody went right so now like what are these companies doing they have to pay people i mean if you're open in business you got to pay electric and you got to pay staff and all that stuff and then no one's going anyway so I think the people who want to open up, I get it, but I think it's a small percentage. Therefore, you're going to open up and you're going to have no customers. And that's just as bad, if not worse, than not being open. Yeah, it's, uh, and you know, I'm no economics major. And it's, it's, uh, there's a reason there hasn't been a great um, plan that, you know, executed. There's a reason that um, there, there isn't certainty, is because it's complicated and there's a lot of layers right. to this. But right. I mean, I, I just know that. I got friends that own small businesses and they're certainly, they're certainly hurting. I know people that are out of work and they're hurting, but um, the range of being reasonable about the fact that maybe we have to sit tight for a little bit is so, is so drastic. I mean, it's just some people, um, you know, they are, uh, they're feeling persecuted uh, quite frankly. And that's, that's kind of wild. Everybody's in this situation. Um. I assume, I know you're into the last dance like everyone else. Yeah. And, you know, I know there's like, you know, I, I've written this a couple of times, but I do feel like this is like one of those Twitter performance things where everyone has to act like they like the last dance more than anyone else. And they're looking forward to it more than anyone else. There's a lot of performing going on with it. Yeah. And a big theme, of course, everyone when it's over, like, oh, I wish all the episodes were here so I could binge them. I'd watch all 10 hours. We got it. I actually like it like this. I like it. 
every Sunday night. I like it like this. I think it brings everybody together. I think yeah. you use that common experience. And it's something to look forward to. Like I would Is there- do this in like a day and a half and I would, you know, be locked in my room. <clears throat> right. You know, some about on a Sunday night having something to do. And I also think it's the right move to double the episodes up. They're going to keep right. doing that, right? Yeah. Because, yes. you know, one hour is just not enough. And maybe that would be dragged out too long. I think they found a real sweet spot here. And I, I like it a lot, man. I, you know, I did notice there's a little bit of an Olympics to see who likes, who likes this the most. Is there a, do you have a favorite moment? Have, is there a favorite thing you learn that you may not? Now you're, you're a Knicks fan. Like now I used to be a diehard, diehard Knicks fan. Most people who know me from either this podcast or train of thoughts or Twitter know that I'm a diehard Yankee fan. My Nick fandom was on that, was close to that level during the Van Gundy and Pat Riley years. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, you know, I hate Michael Jordan, but I also think he's the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life. I'm not an idiot. I never could bring myself to hate Michael Jordan. Um, and to be honest, like if, if I had any issue with Michael Jordan, it was that he was too guarded and he was a brand. He's been a black box for 20 something years. And that's right. why this is such a big deal. You know, I was, I listened to somebody the other day was like, I, I don't understand. Like, this is like a big deal. And I'm like, because you haven't heard Jordan say anything that was off brand for, you know, the last 20 something years, he's shied away from controversial stuff. He's kind of been, um, that guy that's focused on making so much money, they can turn down tens of millions of dollars in a meeting in the nineties off the court in a single meeting. They talked about that uh, in the first two episodes. This is crazy. I mean, this is like even the footage of him walking around in France that I'm assuming was black box because all this stuff was, it's like B roll stuff today, but because it's Jordan and his agent hit this right, the more we see of Jordan's face, it's like inflation. It becomes less valuable. And, you know, they held it and held it and held it. And it was interesting. The background for me was 2016, making a murder, OJ, all that stuff shifted the way they thought about long form documentaries and that you didn't have to do 90 minute documentaries tops. You could stretch this thing out. Right. That confluence of, of, of factors led to them greenlighting this thing. And here we are. And it couldn't have come at like a better time. It was just the perfect storm. Now, for me, I think it's cool that young people like myself, who are 35, yes, young people, um, who grew up in the 90s, would more vividly remember the second three-peat. The first three-peat is more blurry to a six, seven-year-old me. Mm -hmm. Um, NBA, for a six, seven-year-old, you're just not following it as closely. You really aren't. So for me, the, the Blazers series didn't really exist in real time. You know, Jordan in the late 80s didn't exist in real time for me. I think it's it's done a good job of conveying that Jordan was the guy who couldn't get over the hump for a better part of a decade. And that's crazy to think about somebody who for a 35-year-old was perpetually the, the winner, the consummate winner, the antithesis of any player who struggled to win a championship when in reality he was that player at one point. I think what's interesting is listening to him talk about how that stung him. Now it puts into perspective if he ever seems cold or standoffish to these younger stars who all they want is his acceptance. He wasn't getting it in the 80s. So Mm -hmm. so that the the Pistons hated him. Um, So much so that they walked off the court. So much so that, that people looked at him as being, you know, overrated uh, and, and when he got those rings, um, it's just the floodgates open and it, it frames it differently for somebody, for somebody my age. And I'm sure for somebody who's 25, it's like, it's like outer space. Yeah. A person who's 25, I don't think can relate or enjoy it as much as a person my age or, or even your age. I mean, I, I was there for all of it. So for me, all that eighties footage is what I love. I love seeing those old games the the stuff with him on the bus the stuff with him with the teammates poor jerry kraus that's the stuff i love you know and and the funny thing about the kraus thing which isn't funny is everybody was rushing to their uh their tweet box to shit on him and then probably if they were smart googled you know jerry kraus you know because there were probably a bunch of tweets that were like hey jerry kraus i wonder what he's thinking today well jerry kraus is deceased he died like two three years ago 
I think there was a, there are a lot of young fans who had no idea who Jerry Krause was, and there were even people that were like older that had no idea because like back in the '90s, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I was a kid; you were a little bit older than me. Was you know there wasn't as in depth a look because of the lack of 24 hour news cycle and the drama, what's going on behind the scenes in an organization. Like imagine them doing what they did in '98 today. I mean, it's right. oh yeah, forget. It. First of all, Jordan wouldn't be Jordan today because. If he went to Atlantic City after a game, there'd be camera phones, you know, if he's having affairs with porn stars, that would be all over Twitter. If he's, you know, all the stuff he's been accused of, it's all out there because, you know, people say the internet, the internet, the internet, obviously that is the thing in Twitter, but don't overlook people. It's the camera phones. Yeah. Like that is where. Yeah. You think Rodman, his trip in Vegas would have flown under the radar. Uh, By the way, somebody asked me this, but it was very good question. Was Jordan in Vegas when he knocked on his door, or did he have to fly to Vegas? That's well. Then I saw a headline that said Jordan didn't go to Vegas to get Dennis Rodman, but you know who? Knows? I mean, Jordan said he did. Well, so who knows what? Say when Jordan locked knocked on the door, she ran into the bathroom. Yeah, she said that. Yeah, it's, it's, last episode was very good. I thought, yeah. I thought it was great. I thought the Rodman s- section was was well done, but I really liked, and it was a shorter sequence to Phil Jackson. Um, sequence, uh, you know, as uncomfortable as that whole thing was for for Collins, and you could tell Jordan was a big Collins guy because Jordan. Right. Let's face it, every athlete, even the greatest, at one point they're comfortable being enabled, and offensively, it seemed like Collins was like, "Hey, MJ, you do your thing," and of course he liked Collins because he was kind of his friend too. I mean, it seemed like he, Collins was Jerry Curl in the eighties <laughs> way too. Good but, term. Yeah, the the perm. Sorry, what if? But so so um, he uh, when he when he got passed up for Phil, like that was this is why to me Kraus had a little bit of a redemptive third and fourth episode uh, because it made you think. Well, he made some hard decisions. I mean, the Bulls made some good decisions. You know, if if they don't snag Pippen, if they don't allow Rodman to join their team off that San Antonio stint, like. You know, there was some good and there was some bad, obviously, but um, a lot of good things had to happen for Jordan to realize his potential. And, you know, on an island in the 80s, you know, he was going for 63 and losing to the Celtics, um, yeah. you know, and playing golf with Danny Ainge two days before the game, which is insane. It puts that old adage that, you know, the NBA is soft now in a weird light. Well, it is soft compared to the back then. Soft I mean. on the court, but you know, yeah, yeah, on the court, on the we court. didn't like each other off the court. This, that, and the third. Right. I think there's something to that, but golf. Yeah, no, I, no one thought Jordan ever did that. I mean, that was a big Jeff Van Gundy thing about how Jordan would make you think he's your friend, and then he would annihilate you on the court, and you know, maybe that's, Jeff Van- maybe that's what it was, yeah. uh, and and it was. Uh, it was brilliant, but it was now, that always that always heightened the Knicks Bulls thing because Jeff Van Gundy didn't take the Michael Jordan Phil Jackson bullshit. He called out Phil Jackson for he called him Big Chief Triangle and um and you know he called out Jordan. Jordan always hated Van Gundy because Van Gundy called him out for basically you know faking that he's friends with people and then on the court using that you know people being in awe of Jordan is then Jordan goes and annihilates the guy. So right, exactly, and yeah. you know you could see the. You could, and one thing I think everybody when they watch Jordan um, and watch this documentary, everybody's like, "Yeah, I want to be more like Jordan." Jordan was that guy that like every team needs a Michael Jordan, where he's an asshole relentlessly to the players around him, and you know that's that only works. And I was talking to a couple other athletes about this, and you know, I think for a normal fan, you know, you look at it in a very idealistic way. You're like, "That's the way leadership should be." You can only lead like that consistently if you're perfect. Right. And, you know, I think that Jordan, if he were not Jordan, he's an asshole. Right. But, well, that, that's, but yes, that's Jordan, and that's why it works. And that's why it, it that's why it helped propel them uh, to having the run they had. I was, the, you know, it's funny. I wasn't surprised by any reaction I saw to the, to the Jordan stuff during the four episodes that I've had so far, but it did seem like there are a lot of people who didn't, un, who didn't remember or didn't know about Rodman being as crazy as he was. I thought, I was like, see, I remember all that stuff with him dating Madonna and I remember him with, you know, the, the yeah. hair and the it's piercings. Funny. And it's funny because there was two Rodmans. There was pre-Madonna, there was post-Madonna and they kind of glossed over that. But there was also, to me, you, 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 it's funny that anybody could not remember Rodman with his, 
with his hair painted and wearing a dress and that sort of thing. But right. for people my age, uh, again, there's the there's the 80s NBA, the early 90s, and then there's like the, hey, we all started watching basketball in real time. And I think most people my age forget about the Dennis Rodman on the Pistons, the guy without the dyed hair, um, the guy from Southeast Oklahoma, um, you know, that gets picked 27th. And, and he's coming out of college and saying, here, we'll see what happens. I mean, there was no, he came out of nowhere. Um, and he was such an integral part of what they did in Detroit. And then like for a lot of people that grew up and are my age, like the first thing you might've seen of Robin in real time was the bulls. Um, and then you forget about the, where he spent most of his time, which was part of that bad, bad boy group It's crazy. And the funniest yeah. part to me was, when they showed Robin put all those threes in his hair, when Scotty came back, he was totally overcompensating for the fact that he didn't want Scotty back. So right, when right. Came back, he had to act super happy. He loaded yeah. up the threes in his hair. It was, I, he used to, Robin used to have different hair color every single game. I mean, that's how it's funny. You say you, the piston stuff was what you, what came back to you. I had forgotten like that little stint with the, with the Spurs to me, it was like in my head, he went, Pistons bull. Yeah. I forgot about the Spurs thing in there, but, about um, the Spurs thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know it's um, you know and it, it's it's cool. I the whole thing was cool. Uh, it's been cool so far. I, I I just again I think it's what it's doing is it's catch it's doing a good job of catching people up who 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 are aware of chronologically what happened as historians. You know what happened in that first uh, three peat and before it, but didn't live it in real time. The found footage is really cool. Uh, the interviews are great puts things in perspective and it does a good job. I mean, I know, I know last episode, it, it was tough to follow sometimes um, the chronology of how mm-hmm. things are happening, but they did a good job of skipping back and forth. And I thought they did a really good job last episode of tying everything together with Paxson uh, scoring all those uh, buckets. And I think it was like game five against the Lakers. Cause I think that series went five, but they did a good job of kind of positioning things as a Collins is your ally. He lets you do whatever you want. Okay. You've got, um, winner who's kind of your impediment that's telling you to share the ball and, you know, he's triangle offense guy and Phil Jackson's an extension of that. And eventually Jordan has to give up his security and his comfort zone to win. And that aha moment for him was at the end of that year when, uh, when he needed Paxson to score those buckets and put the, the Lakers away. Yeah. That was really well done. I thought the way they broke that down. Yeah. Um, before we go, I wanted to get your because t- I know you have good takes on everything. So I had a okay. I had a burning hot take and train of thoughts on this Tuesday where I said the greatest sports scene in the history of movies came from swingers when they're playing NHL '93 and he makes yeah. Gretzky's head bleed. Do you? What is in Chris Long's opinion? What is like the greatest sports scene in movie history? Do you have one? Well, it's funny you said NHL '93, and before. I sound like a young poser. Like we talked about, <laughs> I hadn't seen swingers in over 10 years. So I'm not going to be able to go back and forth on that scene. But um, I think a lot of sports movies are wildly overrated by the oh, sports movies. Think usually yeah. in my, yeah. When I was, um, when I was okay for me, it's any given Sunday. It's Pacino's speech. I know that's kind of chalky, um, yeah. but it's probably my favorite scene. Uh, I, now I'm not some like huge, any given Sunday movie, but movie uh, lover, but, I um I used to listen to that speech in the locker room before games sometimes, and I really thought it was a great speech. It would never fly in an NFL locker room before a game. It's way too long. You know, I'm I just spent an hour trying to get loose, and I'm about to run through a wall out there. I'm not <laughs> listening to what you're saying, but in a vacuum, if I'm listening to it on YouTube, it's a great speech. Yeah, I do not like remember the Titans. I I don't like. Yeah, I know. Um, I think the 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 miracle speech is terrible. I I agree with that. Terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, it's there's a lot of the problem is if I were to go watch a police movie, police officers or a military movie, you know, military or police or like some some industry that I have no experience in but gets glorified, um you know, if there was deadliest catch movie and I was hanging out around a bunch of crab fishermen, I'd be like, that's my favorite scene. Well, they know what it's really like and they'll probably laugh at you. Like, that's what right. I feel like right. a lot of times when I'm hearing people break down sports movie scenes. And I'm not saying like, I know better than you or not. You can 
You can certainly like remember the Titans, Hoosiers, all that stuff. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I didn't have to play in the NFL to be an expert on on Hoosiers, but I just, it just doesn't. Yeah, it's just kind of corny. The sports movie that everyone loves that I hate is Field of Dreams. The whole, you know, if you build it, they will. Come. I just think it's such cheese. But what the reason why this the scene in Swingers, you have to go back and watch it. it for me, that's as realistic as a sports scene as you'll ever see. Because when I played NHL 93, 94, whatever it was, Sega, Genesis with my friends, that's how we played. It was constant trash talking and, you know, trying to make someone's head bleed and all that stuff. So it was the realism in that scene. Um, but I got a couple. 93, my only memory there was watching – I played NHL 93 at my buddy Blake Solomon's house. Um, and this was back in California, like right before we moved. Because we moved when we were eight uh, or when I was eight. And um, my dad was playing, I think, now it might not add up. So maybe it was NHL 92. But we were playing one of those NHL 90-something games when my dad was playing the NFC or AFC championship against the Bills. Um, and instead of, this goes to show you how like, closely I followed football when my dad played instead of being glued to the TV. I remember we'd play the game and then turn it off for five minutes and the game was on. And all I remember was playing NHL, turning it off, turning the TV on. And the first thing I heard them say was how long jumped off sides for his fifth time today. (laughs) And all I know is I didn't know what that meant, nor did I care. Um, And I just turned the game back on. Do Do you remind Howie of that story? You know, I, 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 I don't, but I don't think he gives a shit about jumping off to outside yeah. five times. Five times in one game. That's a lot. Think, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, maybe, yeah. maybe I misheard, but that's what I remember in my brain. My eight year old. So funny. Wow. Um, I got a couple of good responses though, to sports, good sports scenes in non-sports movies. A lot of people said the Top Gun volleyball scene. Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. And someone responded and it is one of my favorite scenes. Along came Polly, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and, and Ben Stiller when they're playing basketball. Do you, are you familiar with that scene? Yeah, I remember it. I remember White chocolate. My, uh, my uh, Along came Polly is the um, which one? That's Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, that, is that the? No, no, I, I got that mixed. I, I don't know Along came Polly that well. I'm thinking of yeah. what's the movie where Magda comes to the door and she's got the stuff in her hair. Um, oh, um, I know what you're talking about. Cameron Diaz yeah, and Ben Stiller. Was something it, about Mary. Something about Mary. Something about Mary. I don't know why I'm getting those two mixed up, but yeah. Wait, what did you say was in her hair? She had something in her hair. I thought I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> I can't say. You could say it. Well, you I, don't have to. I don't remember for sure. I mean, Cameron Diaz hair. Yeah. It was, a bodily, it was a bodily fluid. Yeah. It was some, uh, yeah, it was some stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then there was Magda with the vacuum and the bad tan and the dog. That's what right. I remember about that movie. But yeah. And Brett, and Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Yeah, that was good. Um, before you go, I, you mentioned Howie. You, does Howie Zoom? Do you get on the Zoom with Howie while quarantining? Well, the, the nice thing is I, I locked my parents down early. I told them, you don't have a choice. You're not leaving your house. You got everything you need. We can make runs for you. And uh, I see them almost every day they don't leave the house we don't leave the house we live less than five minutes apart so um oh, that's good form like a little quarantine sect and uh it's nice that way you know the grandkids are happy my right. parents are happy we're happy so do you do you drop some bleach and lysol off for howie to drink so he can get the <laughs> disinfectant in his lungs and get rid of the coronavirus well usually when i do after he's ingested it i usually call <laughs> an hour later and tell him i was just being sarcastic so it, it's okay <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a world we're in there. Yeah, buddy. Quite a world. Yeah, buddy. Got to get it. Got to get the disinfectant in the lungs somehow. You know what sports movie I like, Jim? Before I go, probably. And uh, you know, I got to watch it as a thirty-something-year-old uh, adult. But Warrior is. It, I'm not familiar with Warrior. Warrior is the Tom Hardy UFC movie. Okay. Really good. I like Moneyball. Um, love the wrestler. Wrestler was good, you know, uh, but there, there's just a lot. See, I don't like, I, I like the goof. Like to me, the best, for me, the best sports movie is varsity blues. I love varsity that. Blues is a great movie. Yeah. Major league. Major. Okay. Major league is my favorite of all time there. Yeah. Major. Those are my, those are my two favorites. I used to love Rudy. I don't know if, the, the, if it'll hit the same now that I know as an adult, 
what yeah. Rudy was really all about. Uh, that he wasn't as cool as the guy in the movie. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rudy is a good one. Hoosiers, I can't stand. And this, the yes. scene, the uh, the speech is terrible. Uh, we did the whole thing ranking sports movie speeches, and there's like he got games, a great one. So yeah. Oh, white men can't jump. Is it? That's another good. Another good one. It's another good. Yeah. I have to watch some movies here. Yeah. Well, mate, Swinger. Check out Swingers, and because that holds up. That's a good movie. Um, if you can count uncut gems, I really enjoyed it. We talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, uncut gems has got enough sports in it to call it a sports movie. Can't I would definitely consider that a sports movie. Absolutely. Good. Good. It's a yeah. theology slash sports movie. Yeah. All right. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, but you're a, you're busy and prolific with the pods. Well, that's my and I feel like Jim. And I feel like you go on every other show and every you're, you're like I think the uh, like you're one of the go to guests for everybody. Because I'm a compliment. saying no. What was that? I'm bad at saying no. You got to learn to say no. But like I said at the beginning of this, it's hard to say no. You, you can't use the excuse you're busy. No, you can't. You can't. You cannot. But, but you have. But you have two kids, so you you can you can sort of you, you know. Oh, I got to do the day schooling with my kids. You know. You know. There is a legit excuse there, but I'm always happy to come on with you, Jim. But yeah, sometimes you can get me on other pods. I might just be afraid to say no. All right. Well, I'm sure I'm going to call you again to come on again sometime down the road here. We'll, since, we'll do a home uh, and home. I'll get you on. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, stay safe and yeah, buddy. well. Okay. All right. Thank you. Take care. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, my thanks to Chris Long for the fun conversation as always check out his green light podcast he puts them out often and he does a great job with it as i told you at the top if you missed it last week if you're a sopranos fan michael imperioli and steve sharippo were on the show and they were great uh two weeks ago andrew marshan breaking down nfl media news bob lee kyle brandt past guests as well so give those a listen if you haven't download them and uh if you can subscribe to the si media podcast it helps a lot and uh that wraps it up for this week's edition stay safe stay in And uh, we'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.